Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 7, Episode 2, Sei Tai Shogun. With Yoshitsune out of the picture and the northern Fujiwara utterly destroyed, Yoritomo's grip on power was stronger than ever. The powerful retainers who supported him also saw their stars begin to rise further than they had probably ever dreamed. They were every bit as invested in making this new government work as Yoritomo himself, and he often relied on their advice and their encouragement to make sound decisions which not only bolstered their new administration, but also promoted order and stability throughout the land. Hojo Tokimasa, whose name you have heard me say on occasion, was probably the most influential of Yoritomo's inner circle. In addition to being Yoritomo's father-in-law, he was also the uncontested chief of the Hojo clan, who were one of the most powerful and far-reaching families in all of Kanto. Yasuda Yoshisada was another powerful chieftain who allied with Yoritomo near the beginning of the Genpei War. He fought alongside him at the Battle of Fujigawa and drove the Taira from Kanto. He was later appointed as the governor of Totomi province in western Kanto, and his family served Yoritomo faithfully in the early years of his new government. In addition to fellow rough samurai of Kanto, Yoritomo also appointed scholars and kuge to important posts. The scholar Oe Hiromoto became the leader of the Mandokoro, which was a sort of executive board, and he would prove himself not only a loyal vassal, but a valuable ally who gave solid advice time and time again. We will look at all of these supporters, both men and women, more closely in the next episode. The new government which Yoritomo was creating had a special name, which it derived from the world of the samurai. The word in Japanese is bakufu, and it literally means camp government, but is generally translated as shogunate. The two terms are interchangeable, and I tend to use both, so just remember that bakufu and shogunate are the same thing. After Minamoto Yoritomo pacified the north, it was time to turn the bakufu's attention toward other parts of the nation which had yet to welcome their leadership. Throughout Chubu, Kansai, Chugoku, Shikoku, and Kyushu, there lived locally entrenched samurai clans who had either been friendly with the Taira clan or simply preferred to keep their independence regardless of who was in charge. There was no one-size-fits-all solution for gaining footholds in and eventually control over those regions, and Yoritomo would try different approaches to bring them into his fold. Now, you're probably wondering, why didn't he just invade those regions like Tohoku? There are several reasons why Yoritomo preferred more gentle solutions than the fires of war. While he relied on support from the Kanto samurai, this did not mean he trusted them. Granting them absentee estates from which they could draw an income was fine, but it seems he wanted to keep an eye on his more famous and influential warriors who if allowed to build a network of influence across the nation, might someday challenge his own right to rule. While the invasion of Tohoku seems somewhat flimsy in retrospect, his just cause was technically correct. 
the northern Fujiwara had, by initially disobeying his orders, committed treason, regardless of the fact that they later repented. But if the invasion had dragged on, or if the Bakufu allied samurai had met with some unexpected misfortune, the court in Heian-kyo may not have been as swift to ratify the invasion with their post-facto stamp of approval. The fortunes of war are never certain, and Yoritomo had no intention of relying upon force alone to bolster his new government's legitimacy. Kanto was firmly under his control, and Tohoku was pacified, at least for the moment. The court was playing along for now, but the massive region of Chubu lay in between Yoritomo and the capital, and it was populated by elite locals who had legitimate claims to their estates and felt no love for Kamakura. The Bakufu was keenly interested in finding ways to remove these local elites and replace them with loyal vassals from Kanto. Thus began a gradual process in which Yoritomo used the new organs of his government to gather evidence and accuse key landholders of abusing their offices and gaining the court's support in having them removed. In some cases, powerful samurai were accused of treason or other high crimes and were in danger of being sentenced to exile or execution. Many of these powerful local elites had started adopting a newfangled title which we will probably hear a lot over the course of this season, Jito. Jito is generally translated as steward, and according to the Azuma Kagami, the office was created by Yoritomo himself soon after the Genpei War. More recent scholarship has uncovered that this office was not created out of whole cloth by the Bakufu, but was gradually appropriated until Kamakura had a virtual monopoly on bestowing legitimacy upon Jito. As for the office of Shugo, meaning constable or deputy, that occupation is now understood to have been created later, possibly after Yoritomo's death. So what was a Jito? Essentially, a Jito was a person with a powerful local following who could meddle in that area's politics and daily functions. Some Jito were provincial officers appointed by the imperial court, and some were local strongmen, whose authority lay in their local influence itself. Some had long-standing ancestral ties to the estate or other holding which they governed, and others were straight-up bandits who led gangs of dangerous ruffians. The Kamakura Bakufu decided to gradually seize hold of this office through defining its limits, responsibilities, and authority. While it is tempting to think of these new Kamakura Jito as little better than Bakufu thugs who enforced the new government's will through intimidation and strong-arm tactics, this is not how things were. As Kamakura-appointed Jito began to fill local offices in Kanto and Chubu, complaints began to arise accusing them of theft, abuse, and the usual authoritarian excesses. Rather than brushing these complaints into the rubbish bin, Yoritomo ordered investigations of many and frequently dismissed those who were found guilty of abusing their office for personal enrichment. Yoritomo and the Bakufu understood that justice was a vital service which their government could provide, and as they proved themselves reasonable overlords, more and more samurai sought opportunities to enter their service as vassals and perhaps gain some lucrative Jito posts for themselves. His basic strategy for gaining greater control over Chubu was to utilize the Bakufu's justice system to gradually remove the more powerful independent Jito throughout the region. 
Ajito would be accused of abuses, which were often legitimate accusations. And after the courts confirmed these accusations through gathering official complaints, the order was given for the banishment of the offending Jito. The first few attempts to use this maneuver against the more powerful Jito of Owari and Mino provinces, which lie at the western edge of Chubu, resulted in small-scale rebellions, which required Kamakura troops to put them down. As Yoritomo was trying to avoid bloodshed, he considered these efforts failures, even if they were bluntly successful in removing some of the most influential independent Jito in those key provinces. Next, he turned to the less powerful Jito in Mino and Owari and made overtures for them to accept Kamakura's authority and have their holdings officially ratified by the Bakufu. Though this took more time and still did not meet with absolute success, by 1192, Yoritomo felt comfortable enough with what control he was able to exert in Chubu to start appointing deputies to oversee the provinces themselves, deputies which the Jito were ordered to obey. 1192 was an important year. The retired Emperor Go Shirakawa, who had lived through some of the most turbulent times in Japanese history, and who participated in many aspects of that turbulence, died at the age of 64. I can only imagine that Yoritomo heard the news and immediately said, Finally! He blamed the retired sovereign for much of Japan's continued unrest after the Genpei War, and for turning his brother Yoshitsune against him. Upon one occasion, he referred to Goshirakawa in as the greatest goblin in Japan. The news of the retired sovereign's death was almost immediately followed by an official proclamation informing Yoritomo that the sitting emperor Gotoba was granting him the title and office of Sei Tai Shogun, which is usually translated as the general who subdues the eastern barbarians. Yoritomo, who had eschewed other such gifts from the imperial court in the past, accepted this title and was thereafter referred to as the Shogun. I believe this was a mutually beneficial gesture on both parts. Emperor Gotoba originally received his succession without the imperial regalia during the Genpei War, so Yoritomo was recognizing the sovereign's legitimacy by accepting this promotion. The office of Sei Tai Shogun was the absolute highest post attainable by a warrior, so Yoritomo probably hoped that this official court recognition of Kamakura would bolster his continued efforts to bring the rest of the nation under his direct influence. While Yoritomo had some success in Chubu, the region would continue to be dominated largely by independent samurai clans with no connection to the Bakufu and no need for its recognition nor its stamp of legitimacy. With the great goblin Goshirakawa in gone now for good, Yoritomo turned some of his attention to strengthening his government's bond with the government of Heian-kyo, and more importantly, with the imperial family itself. In 1195, the shogun traveled to the capital to attend a ceremony blessing the rebuilding efforts of Todaiji Temple. He had an ulterior motive for this journey, but his attempts to play politics with the imperial court would prove that he was still something of an amateur when dealing with the kuge. Yoritomo's goal was to arrange a marriage between his daughter Ohime and Emperor Gotoba. You may recognize this strategy as the usual practice of the Fujiwara regents, 
and Yoritomo was certainly aware of the similarities. Fujiwara Kanezane was the current Kampaku and a longtime ally of Yoritomo's and champion of the Bakufu. It was through his influence that Yoritomo had been named as Shogun, but now he was in Yoritomo's way. Kanezane's own daughter had been wed to Emperor Gotoba, and Yoritomo calculated, probably correctly, that Kanezane would obstruct any impending imperial nuptials which would link him directly with the shogunate. Kanezane had served the throne for nearly 40 years, and he had made his share of enemies. However, many of those enemies opposed him because of his favorable treatment of the Bakufu, and Yoritomo may have been too hasty in trying to ally with them. While at the rebuilding celebration, he consulted with Minamoto Michichika, a bitter rival of Kanezane, and arranged to begin the process of having his daughter presented to the emperor as a wife. Minamoto Michichika was part of the Murakami Genji, and was a longtime kuge who despised the Bakufu as an illegitimate samurai power grab. Yoritomo no doubt thought this gambit would be worthwhile, and agreed to support Michichika should he decide to move against Kanezane. In late 1195, Kanezane's daughter Ninshi, the emperor's consort, gave birth to a daughter. Michichika's daughter, Ariko, was also a wife of the emperor, and in early 1196 she gave birth to a son, the imperial prince Tamehito. Thus Emperor Gotoba's direct succession was secured, and Michichika's position became extremely strong. He conspired to hold a special session of the imperial court while Kanezane was away in 1196, at which Kanezane was deposed as Kampaku and Michichika installed into that position. With Michichika's ascension came a slew of promotion for other kuge in his anti-Bakufu faction. Yoritomo probably thought these were just harmless old cranks, and that it would all be worthwhile if he could get his daughter accepted as an empress. Michichika, however, did everything he could to delay the proceedings indefinitely, and in 1196, Yoritomo's daughter Ohime died while still waiting to be wed to the Tenno. Yes, it's true that Yoritomo alienated a longtime supporter, but at least in return he empowered his enemies in Emperor Gotoba's court. Bang-up job, Shogun. Michichika and his followers may have hated Kamakura, but they were not fools. Yoritomo did not need to fear an imperial loyalist revolt, but working with the court would prove more difficult as those he had just empowered would delay and obstruct his agenda as much as possible. None of these imperial machinations kept the shogun from trying to expand his direct power over more of the country. In 1196, Yoritomo set his sights on Kansai and Chugoku, where he proceeded to arrange for Bakufu agents to accuse the longtime independent landholders there of abuses and, in the name of the emperor, of course, strip them of their status and install Kamakura-friendly vassals. Many of these local strongmen had fought under Minamoto banners during the Genpei War, but, unlike their counterparts in Kanto, were not awarded estates after the war had ended. Yoritomo did not trust distant landlords to obey his edicts and execute his will. Kyushu was likewise targeted for infiltration, but as a former Taira stronghold, many of its local samurai clans had either lost their status or their lives in the Genpei War. 
Thus, the key focus of Yoritomo's policies there became the administration of Dazaifu. The imperial court had retained the right to appoint certain offices there, and they had no intention of giving those up. The Bakufu added some supplementary offices, but took a much more conciliatory approach with the remaining local strongmen, preferring that they simply adopt the protocols of the shogunate and accept its authority. In southern Kyushu, Yoritomo opted to send one of his own children to help with the mission of bringing the far end of Japan under his control. Originally named Koremune Tarahisa, this illegitimate son of the shogun, whose mother hailed from the Hiki clan, was named the Jito of the vast, rich Shimazu estate. In 1196, at the age of 17, he traveled to the estate, located on the southern end of Kyushu and spanning across several provinces. He and his entourage recruited vassals from the local warriors and proceeded to subdue rebellious elements in the south. Tadahisa changed his name to Shimazu, taking the name of the estate which he was now managing on behalf of the shogun. He is remembered by history as Shimazu Tadahisa and is considered the founder of the Shimazu clan which would emerge as a powerful regional polity in its own right over the next few centuries. There is an ongoing debate in academic circles regarding whether or not the Kamakura period marks the beginning of feudalism in Japan. For many years it was generally accepted that the reforms of Yoritomo's shogunate created a society which was almost point-for-point identical to medieval Europe. These days most scholars of Japanese history push back against this narrative, and argue that the society which emerged as a result of Kamakura's governance should be approached on its own terms, rather than trying to lump 13th century Japan into a group in which it really does not truly belong. While Yoritomo's efforts at bringing the entire nation under his control were often innovative, he frequently relied on older, well-established modes of governance to bolster his rule. In the campaign against the northern Fujiwara, for example, he relied on the many provincial headquarters throughout the nation to recruit troops for him to lead into battle. Even though he completed that campaign without the official sanction of the court in Heian-kyo, he still requested that sanction, and even though it was issued after the campaign had ended, he was happy to receive it. A common impression of the Kamakura period is that it represented some kind of radical revolution in the day-to-day governance in Japan. While the rise of the Bakufu is significant, Kamakura was still the junior partner in their relationship to Heian-kyo in many ways. The warriors of Japan only controlled about 11% of the nation's total arable land, according to historian William Wayne Ferris, while the rest was largely owned by monasteries, men and women, kuge absentee landlords, and even some stubborn smallholders who had managed to maintain their independence throughout the years. Then there is the matter of the liege-vassal relationship, which meant something very different in Japan than it did in medieval Europe. Vassals in Japan in this period were almost akin to mercenaries, who frequently changed sides in conflicts depending on which side they believed was more likely to win. Being a Kamakura vassal was a somewhat coveted position, but even that came with strings. Your name went on their official registry of vassals, and you might be appointed as a jito, but you could also lose your post if the Bakufu received too many complaints of your abuses. What we find among the warriors in this period is something closer to a business relationship than a bond of personal fealty. 
Yoritomo himself preferred existing methods of control wherever they were available. His primary interest was stability, and he believed that Heian-kyo needed the partnership of Kamakura to obtain the kind of peaceful, ordered society which he desired. The imperial court seems largely in agreement with this, as they made little to no effort to exert their own direct control over Yoritomo's vassals, preferring to treat him as a liaison, which was exactly what he preferred. A mutually beneficial dual government, if they can keep it. Next time, we will take an even closer look at Minamoto Yoritomo and the powerful samurai clans of Kanto who supported him, and finally reach the end of his life, which came much sooner than he was expecting. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. Thank <laughs> you.